Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Non-Corporate Girls. Before we begin, don't forget to download and subscribe. Take it one step further and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your thoughts. What's up, y'all? We are back to talk to our 9 to 5 and 5 to 9ers. I'm Delilah. And I'm Ayana. We are the Non-Corporate Girls, two girls who have experienced both spaces and understand firsthand the ebbs and flows of marrying our many passions and disrupting the status quo. We do this with our podcast, your go-to digital diary filled with content, expert advice, and tangible resources for corporate professionals, entrepreneurs, and the intersection of where they meet. Every episode gives you a dose to help redefine how you pivot in your purpose. So, are you non-corporate? Tune in. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Non-Corporate Girls. Today we have our girl Netta Dobbins, a values-driven entrepreneur, equipped diverse professionals with the support they need to persevere as CEO of MIM Connect. Her mission was born of personal experience, yet one that too many people of color have in common. After finding herself the only black person at the table in various corporate settings, Netta decided to create an antidote to such workplace isolation. A natural community builder, she co-founded MIM Connect and grew it into the most engaged digital community and trusted resource hub for multicultural professionals. MIM Connect is an external support network and diversity consultancy that empowers those in marginalized communities to bring their whole selves to work and has been featured in Forbes, Adweek, The Tennessean, Pop Sugar, Afrotech, BT, and now Non-Corporate Girls. Woo. So thank you, Netta, for joining us. Of course. Thank y'all for having me. I'm super excited to chat with y'all. Yes. yes. This has been a long time coming, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Y'all like OG Mem Connect people, too. So I'm surprised we haven't done it yet. Because so. yes. you're a busy girl. You're busy. You're busy. Also true. Also true. <laughs> this is true. All right. So before we kick off with like all of our interviewing, let's talk about your positive note for the week or month, if you have one to share. Yeah, my positive note and just like theme in general for this month is I'm going to do my best and I'm going to let God do the rest because Mm. I feel like everyone is in this season where there's so much changing and then so much of it is actually out of your control. And we're used to always trying to control everything, especially as entrepreneurs, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is my baby, this is my business. If if I don't do this, it fails. If I do this, it succeeds, right? When in reality, there are so many other factors. So I'm just like in this mode now where I'm kind of focused on being still, doing what I can, and just trusting God that he'll push me through. I love that. I'm glad you said that because we're all we're all dealing with it. Exactly. <laughs> we're all trying to make it. Um, so the t- the title of this episode is In Good Company with Nether Dobbins because obviously Good Company is such a great event that you spearheaded. And um, we want to talk a little bit more about that. But before we get there, we have to actually start with the beginning. So we talked a little bit about this before you um while you joined us, but we are OG Mem Connect members. And so fun fact or story story. I don't know if you even know this, but we literally got our first guest for our first interview podcast with someone that was on a panel at your event. Yay! Mm-hmm. I did not know that. I love it. Yes, mm-hmm. Julian Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And we we loved him. And also Fancy. 
she mm-hmm. was a great one too. So um, mm-hmm. that just is a testament to how much we've been in this world and how we really love what you're doing and how we've been doing things. But let's dive into this. So can you share with us a moment? Well, not even a moment, but the moment when you knew this idea from MConnect was needed and what were your like actual first steps to start? Yeah. Um, so the founding story of MemConnect actually comes from my personal story, right? So I am a black woman from Nashville, Tennessee, hence the accent. Um, and I was spending some time in New York working at entertainment PR and then eventually advertising and always found myself as one of the only people of color, one of the only women, just one of the onlys at a bunch of the tables that I was in. So honestly, um, I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur. Like I didn't have MemConnect written on my vision board. And I was like, I'm going to create this one day. Um, I created it organically because I needed a community, right? I needed people who also worked in media and marketing, who looked like me, who shared some of my same experiences, who I could go to as a support system. Um so selfishly, it was for me. It was for my network, right? <laughs> in two weeks of building this, because um, we launched on GroupMe, just GroupMe group chat. Um, in two weeks, it was over 300 people from New York City to LA, right? And I was like, oh, like clearly I'm not the only one, you know, <laughs> feeling this isolation. And there's like really a need for community and for access to opportunities, right? So um, after kind of seeing other people just come on to it organically and like really listening to what they were looking for and what they needed. Um, We started building out, you know, different types of networking events. We started working with companies to promote their roles and things like that, just to kind of give our audience what they were looking for. So honestly, the group me group chat grew organically. I was like, Oh my God, there's a big audience. Then I kind of listened to what they needed and started building it out from there. I love that you said that because that's exactly, that was our thought too with how we even started Not Corporate Girls. We didn't mm-hmm. have a community and mm-hmm. we became each other's community and was like, okay, well, there must be other people out here. So I mm-hmm. love that you like drilled into that to really figure that out. All right. So we consider you the epitome of non-corporate and non-corporate has three different pillars to it, but you fit into it. And so how would you describe your transition from being what we like to call a hustler? So working a nine to five and five to nine to going to into full time entrepreneurship. Um, transitions are scary, period. Um, mm-hmm. I think everybody has had a transition in their life where they're like, am I really about, like, am I really this crazy? Right. Um <laughs> So I had a, a nice job, a nine to five, working in advertising. It was a great company. I'm working on a lot of projects that I loved, but still feeling a bit of that isolation. And also MemConnect was growing rapidly, right? So I'm like, I have this hope. I was working on this project at my nine to five. And I'm like, one day somebody's <laughs> going to get me in trouble, right? <laughs> so honestly, um, there was a point where I was like, I just can't do both anymore, right? Like mm-hmm. I am burnt out. I was working. Waking up at like five to nine, working on Mem Connect, going to work from nine to twelve, not twelve, nine to five, coming back home from five to like midnight, working on Mem Connect. Right? Mm-hmm. That's draining. Hustle culture teaches you to do that. It's not mm-hmm. realistic and it's not sustainable. Um, so it honestly came from me saying, "Okay, I'm either going to take this risk and bet on me, or I'm going to keep building somebody else's dream and be comfortable." Right? And I think now. I talk about transitions a lot now with even other people who are thinking about starting ideas. It's like once you make that leap, there's like nothing that can hold you back from ever making that leap again. Right. You're like, okay, I've done this. That Mm -hmm. first year was very hard. I know we're going to talk about that. 
Um, but I've survived the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. So something that I can do again and again at this point. Yeah. And were you scared when you were ready to be like, let me transition fully into the entrepreneur? Or were you like, no, I got this. Like, I have a rhythm. This is the perfect time. No, I was definitely terrified. Um, I was like, how am I going to pay my rent if this doesn't work out? Um, mm. But there's a, it's like a quote or saying or something, some, something somebody told me. Um, and y'all will learn that I have like a lot of quotes and hidden gems just in my head from conversations <laughs> that I've had with random people. Um, but they said, you always have fear, right? You're going to always have fear. You have to assess whether am I afraid because this is going to cause me bodily harm, psychological harm, or I'm going to harm somebody else. Or am I just afraid because I've never done it before? Right. So every time I feel fear now, I kind of sit with myself and I say, okay, like, am I really going to die if I do this? And if not, let's try it out. Let's see what happens. Right. And I think it's important to when you're fearful and it's not harmful to do it anyway, to try it anyway. Um, because that shows like your growth and what you're able to do. And now, now that I've done it and I've been through the ups and downs, it's like when I think about new ideas, if it doesn't scare me a little bit, if I'm not a little bit fearful, it's not big enough. Um, so I've learned to like really live with it and use it as a sense of direction too. I love that you awesome. said that because a lot of people, um, even with all the conversations around fear, still have are, are fearful, like still actually can't start something or mm-hmm. push themselves mm-hmm. out of their comfort zone. And so it's really important that you double down on like identifying what does that mean for you? Mm-hmm. How is it going to affect you? And then how what what are the possibilities after that? Right. And exactly. obviously Mem Connect came from mm-hmm. this. <laughs> All right. So as a CEO, you're always being pushed in many directions. We we know this. What or can you share more about like what your process looks like ahead of making really huge decisions? Um, yeah. So it differs, right? I feel like as an entrepreneur and I have a super small team, it's a team of like five people. Um you still have to be like everything every once in a while, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to big decisions, what I try to do is like really like block time on my calendar where I'm not taking meetings, I'm not taking sales calls. And it's just like strategy. Like, let me just sit and think about this. Let me whiteboard it. Let mm-hmm. me be with myself and my thoughts. Let me go outside and take a walk and see if it makes sense. Let me talk to my advisor, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I do a lot of like, one internal reflection, am I as a leader ready to take this next step with the company? Two, is my team, do I have the right team for this? Do I need to bring on more people? Do I have the funds to bring on more people, right? Three, Mm -hmm. is this something my community really wants, my community or clients really want, or is it something that I just think they want, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of like reflection, um, but honestly, the money is going to tell you what decisions you need to make. And if Mm -hmm. you don't have the money at the end of the day, it's not something that you can do right now. Um, and that was a hard lesson for me to learn, too, because I'm like, but it's such a great idea. And my um, CFO is like, but you don't have the money. And I'm like, yeah, we can find the money. Right. So it's like that back and forth. Um, but honestly, at the end of the day now, it's just like financial decisions for me. Like, does it make sense financially? Can I afford it right now? Is it going to bring in more money at the end of the day? Right. And because um, speaking of financial, a lot of the times being an entrepreneur and a small business funding is like at the root of every decision and it's what holds us back a lot of the times. Um, when do you not let it get in the way? I mean, obviously money does is a driving force, but how do you kind of like finesse those situations to still try to make it happen? 
Yeah. So I'll give you an example of like what I did when I first started, when I had no money, and then what we're doing now when we have some money. Um, <laughs> so when I first started and knew I needed money, um, this is kind of shady, um, but you kind of sell stuff as if you already have it, right? Right. There's a lot of like fake it till you make it in entrepreneurship that mm-hmm. people don't really talk about. Mm-hmm. But you are like, especially with your first clients or your first customers, you are faking it. You're like, yeah, we have this big thing. I don't know if it's really going to work, but you know, yeah, it's, it's definitely right. going to work. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it was a lot of like fake it till you make it. Then once you get that one client, I use that name for everybody else. Right. So, mm-hmm. hey, we have Intuit on board. Don't you want to come on board and be with Intuit? Even though they were the only people we had on board. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's just an example. That's not like real. Um, so that was like what I did in the beginning and finesse. Finesse. Now um, I have a team, so I have to be way more responsible. I can't like just finesse my way to something and I have to worry about operating costs if I can pay them on time, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So what I do now is kind of like plan out. I work with my CFO and we plan out the year. Um, and then we um, go over it quarter by quarter, right? So we said okay. at the end of the year, we're going to make a million dollars, right? After quarter one, are we on track for that? If we're on track for that, is there something else that we can do to speed up this process? Or is there anything else that we can do with this extra funds, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of more um, operational in that sense now. Nice. That's awesome. And so as a black and brown person, we know all too well the feeling of being the only ones in the room. As you said, like this is most of like the reasoning why we start what we start. Even though this reality has some upward movement over the past few years, there's still a lot of work to be done. What are some trends you've noticed still affecting corporate workplaces and hindering the advancement of DEI? The biggest issue that I talk about with my clients is that sometimes the recruiters and the hiring managers are on two different pages, right? Mm. Most recruiters are the ones that reach out to me and they're like, we need diversity. It makes sense. Like we have all these different um, projects and things that we're doing to amplify diversity. But at the end of the day, with the hiring manager, it's who can you get in here that's good, that's quick, that's going to relieve some of this pressure from my team, right? Mm -hmm. And when there's like not alignment there, you can do all this stuff to try to get diverse talent in the door, but the hiring manager is going to go with who they feel the most comfortable with, right? Um, So that's kind of the biggest issue I've seen. And we've started to do like some conversations and some trainings internally about how every manager should be a DEI manager. Like it's not the HR job. It's not the diversity team's job. It's not the ERG's job. Everybody should be focused on diversity and um, the benefits of having a diverse team. So it was just like a learning curve, I think, for them. And then Mm -hmm. additionally with recruiters betting hundreds of applicants, trying to meet the needs of everybody, it can be a little bit frustrating. Um, but that's just kind of like the reality there. Yeah. And do you feel, do you see that you feel um, from hiring managers that there's support? Because I feel often there often, there often time is the issue of being able to have someone of color fill in the role, but they may not be as equipped. Do you think hiring managers are being more open to like help people um, you know, get those skill sets just so that they can get their foot in the door. Yeah, on the job training. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say yes and no, right? So okay. some companies that I work with, like the bigger companies, they do have that. They have mentorship opportunities, sponsorship opportunities, they have mm-hmm. um money that they give to you to take some training classes to be um better at your job, right? Mm-hmm. Um 
And I've seen that and that's been beneficial and that's great and I love it, right? But sometimes the smaller companies, they don't have the bandwidth and they don't have the budget for it, right? So I think it just depends on what the role is and the company size and the budget that they have for that training too. No, that makes total sense. It really does. All right, so we're going to switch gears just a little bit. We talked about this in the beginning and we're going to get more into it now. So you launched your inaugural event in Good Company last fall. And I'm hyped because obviously I was a panelist on one of your sessions. Um, What has been some of the feedback or success or success story that you've heard from the event? And really, what's your vision for the future state of where this could go? Yeah, so... Let's let's be honest. I'm going to take a step back with you and talk okay. about how we even got to that event. Yes. Mm. Um, I had been wanting to throw like a conference for a couple of years. And then 2020 happened and I was like, mm, pandemic can't do it. Right. Yeah. And my team was like, let's just do it virtually. Like there's nothing to lose. And I was like, like terrified. But I was mm-hmm. like, OK, let's do it. Right. We had three months to put this together. In three months, we got 10 sponsors, um, and then we had an attendance of over 500 people, right? Um, With that, I was like, okay, I'm terrified. Something's bound to go wrong. Nothing went wrong. And then our, like, score that people rated us on how effective and how um, great the event was was, like, a 9.9. And I was like, the demand is there the demand is definitely the demand is there and i was like okay like this is super interesting and i love the way that we did it because one it was free to the public which i loved once again all about access to opportunity Mm -hmm. and then it was digital there wasn't any nobody really had to spend money to attend right? right and if we talk if we're talking about like black and brown people in general that's the biggest barrier to why we can't get our foot in the door, why we can't get some mm-hmm. of the opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I just love the fact that it provided that access. So when I think about the future, I think it's going to always have a virtual component. Um, we're actually going to host the next one in February, so Black History Month of next year, awesome. um, which I'm super excited about. And when I was thinking about how do we make it bigger, how do we make a bigger impact, I was thinking about different organizations that we could partner with to do it. So um, we're actually doing it. Um, next year in collaboration with the White House and their initiative on HBCUs. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I was like, what's, what's going to create the most impact? Um, and then amazing. it's going to be. That's incredible. Um, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and Intel and MailChimp are going to be like our premium sponsors for it. So um, a lot of demand already. And my goal is just to keep making it bigger, keep bringing on different companies who are actively um, looking for diverse talent, but also have the resources internally, right, to yep. make sure that they're able to develop this talent and create an environment where they feel psychologically safe um, and equipped to do the work that they want to do. That's awesome. And so the um, sponsors that you think of working with, I know at this point, I'm sure they're reaching out to you now. Um, what are their like requests in, in partnering with you? What is the expectation of what you can de- deliver for them? Yeah. So companies come to me because they want to target diverse talent to work at their company. So it's essentially at the end of the day, in the companies like a recruiting event for companies, right? Mm. We do the conferences and the talks to give them an opportunity to get on stage, share more about the company, have our audience get an inside peek into like what they're doing, the personalities that they may be working with, and mm-hmm. just that overall career advice. 
Um, but what companies are coming for is to actively recruit. And that's what I like to stress as well. Like you're going to meet a company, you're going to have informational interviews, you're going to get contact information. This is not something that you go to and you just kind of like sit there and look at the screen the whole day because the companies want to hire you. So um, it's like a win-win situation for everybody if you come and if you're engaged. And I love that because like as someone who like participated in that, I know Delilah even attended it, like mm-hmm. you felt that energy, right? Like I felt yep. like this was very actionable. Like it wasn't, I wasn't just doing another recruitment fair because right. this yeah. is what it is. So I love that because it just shows the growth, the demand, obviously. And it just shows mm-hmm. the opportunity of like yeah. what's available for like black and brown people. Right. Definitely. There's real takeaways of like what I can implement right yeah. now to make mm-hmm. myself you know, more marketable, valuable. marketable. Yeah. Correct. And that's my goal too. Cause I was, I actually spoke at a conference yesterday. Um, but I was just thinking about like conferences in general. Um, and even like kind of like accelerators in general too, that are supposed to be teaching you stuff. And I feel like uh, somebody's going to like haze me for this, but I feel like oftentimes conferences are the equivalent of having lunch with Jay-Z. Right. <laughs> yep. It's like you, you can it. brag about it. I can take a picture and say I was there. I can take a picture with a speaker and say I talked to this person. But at the end of the day, what have they told me that's actually something that I can implement immediately, right? right. So when, when we were crafting In Good Company, I was like, we're not going to be up here talking fluff, right? It needs to be mm-hmm. at least 75% tactical and then 25% inspirational, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we build everything out as well. That's I'm a glad you mentioned that. that. <laughs> it is because even for myself, I stopped going to things because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just receiving all this information. But what am I actually doing with any of this? So I need to like kind of stop hoarding information and actually start applying it and stop going mm-hmm. to things that are just going to keep distracting me from the do. Yeah. And I feel like in like early professionalism and entrepreneurialism, too, you it's the hustle culture it's like oh my god i didn't go to this forbes thing i missed out i missed out on all the great information it's like fomo when really most of that stuff you've already heard you Mm -hmm. can google yourself or you're going to forget by the time you get home right Right. i think it's just important to like hone in on the conferences the panels the accelerators or whatever that are going to give you the specific um information that you need or where you have a gap right so i understand that i know nothing about finance so I went out and found a CFO, right? I would go to a finance conference to learn how to do finance for entrepreneurialism and stuff like that too. Um, so I think that's the way that I look at it now. Like, let me go to something that I know nothing about versus something that I know everything about already. In fact, it has to be the intentionality and you have to be strategic. Yeah. It's just like networking too, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's what it all comes down to. Yeah. All right. So in that same lane, all right. Who have you looked forward or toward rather as your personal blueprint blueprint when you thought about scaling Mem Connect? And did you ever think it would become what it is today? <laughs> yeah. Um, no. So to answer that second part, no. Um, <laughs> I first started Mem Connect. I had like a vision board type of thing where I wrote down companies that like I admired and I wanted to be like, right? And one of those companies was like LinkedIn, this huge tech platform that connected people and gave job opportunities, mm-hmm. which is essentially kind of what MemConnect is modeled off of today. We just don't have that tech platform feature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of like the vision. And then there were other smaller companies like The Muse, which is also a startup founded by a woman, um, kind of doing the same thing that we were doing. Um, 
So I really just kind of looked at all of that and kind of built out the model. Shout out to LinkedIn because, you know, I'm biased. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, shout out to LinkedIn because I actually, I sat there and I read the story of the founding of LinkedIn, right? And I read how they got to there, how they fundraised and everything. I was like in a deep startup <laughs> journey. Um, right. So the, it was inspiration because it's nice to like see stories where people are starting in their garage or they don't have anything yeah. like the same place that you're starting from. Now they have this multi-billion dollar thing. So it mm-hmm. was inspirational. I can see you being a, a microcosm of a LinkedIn, but very mm-hmm. tailored, you know, to black and brown people very who are perfect. in a specific need. Yeah. And that's why I like, people often ask me about like, how big do you want it to get? Like scale. Like I actually at this point in my life don't want it to be like as big as a LinkedIn. I think the value comes with Mem Connect because we are so niche, right? Because I can tell companies directly, like these are the type of people that are in my community. These are the type of opportunities they're looking for. Um, so yeah, I like, I like the fact that it's not, not that huge at the moment. Yes. And with bigger comes more problems and possibly burnout, which we're going to transition into asking you in this culture of burnout and overworking ourselves, what do you do to make sure you have a healthy balance of work and living life? Do you feel you have arrived at a happy medium or are you still trying to find your way? Um, today I do feel like I've arrived at a happy medium. Yay. That's great to hear. Thank you. Prior to this, absolutely not. Um, I felt like, so MemConnect has been around for about six years now. And it was like every November, December, I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I absolutely cannot do this anymore. Like just completely burnt out. Didn't want to talk to anybody. Didn't want to do anything. Just wanted to lay in my bed. Right. And even maybe like a little bit of depression, like things weren't bad. Nothing was wrong. I was just completely burned out. And I was like, I am a zombie. I'm tired. Right. Today, once again, going back to the quote that I said earlier, like what's positive um, is that I understand what I can do and what I can't do and what I'm willing to do and what I'm not willing to do. Right. I'm not willing to work 12 hours a day. I'm not willing to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and work on something until five o'clock p.m. Right. Mm -hmm. I finally gave myself permission to make the life that I wanted to make. Right. And what makes me happy and what's going to be sure that I'm able to um, operate in my optimum capacity, right? And that's me working this amount of time. That's me having Fridays off. That's me being able to go out and enjoy myself on the weekends and not feeling guilty about not doing work, right? Yeah. And it took, once again, MemConnect is six years old. It took six years for me to get here to say, okay, you know, this is what I'm willing to accept from me. Um, so... I love that you said that because we're, I think we're still struggling with that too, right? Like trying to figure out what that happy medium is. Is there a happy medium for us? I don't know. Um, But also like a lot of people, you know, burnout is real. And a lot of people continue to like do this for years before they actually can like take that step back and just kind of like do that self auditing, figure out what they're not going to do, how they can live their lives and what's going to bring them that joy. So I'm happy that you've been able to do that, especially because Mem Connect is so important. Like what you've created is really important. And so we want you to keep doing it and you can only do it if you're good to yourself. Exactly. And I think like this is a harsh way to say it, but one day you're just going to get fed up. Like, I can't do it. Like, I'm fed up. Like, it's not happening anymore. Mm -hmm. And then once I felt that and it was so strong that I couldn't even Mm -hmm. operate past it, 
I was like, okay, a lifestyle change needs to happen. Yeah, it just kind of hit you. Yeah. All right. Well, we are crazy. This is going by so quick, which I'm like blown by. But um, mm-hmm. we're now into our segment where we want to ask you who your hashtag obsessed with is. I don't know if there's anyone you're obsessed with, but we would love to know. Who am I currently obsessed with? Um. So once again, I, I'm work-life balancing it out, right? So mm-hmm. in my free time, I try not to do like, I don't even read business-related books anymore because I'm like, nah, it's like my off time, right? <laughs> yeah. right? So I am actually very obsessed with Colleen Hoover. She's an author. Um, the first book I read by her was It Ends With Us, and then I just finished. It's um, on my list. It is. You're like maybe the sixth person that has mentioned reading this book. It I didn't is re- so good. Like, I can't wait to read it. And I am like, I used to read so much once again, work over my life and I was like I Mm -hmm. even when I tried to read I couldn't and then I picked up one of her books and literally read it within 24 hours um so I'm like I've read three of her books so far they're all amazing um so she's definitely who I'm currently obsessed with and bragging about to everybody Oh my God, I have not heard of her, so I need to check her out. I'm behind. (laughs) The last person literally was just the other day and they said, they they posted the picture of the book and was like, this book had me up until 3 a.m. Like they didn't want to put it down. It was. I literally like, at the end of it ends with us. I was a little teary-eyed. I was like, oh, it's beautiful. Really? I'm getting it. I need to add it to my list Mm -hmm. now. All right. So we are going to shift gears into our game. Delilah, you want to kick us off? Yeah, so it's in good company, Netta's experiences. So share with us an awkward networking moment and what did you learn from it? Um, so I've been thinking about this recently. I went to <laughs> it's crazy how like past experiences you'll randomly think about and you'll still like cringe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I have went to an Afrotech, like maybe like the first or second Afrotech years okay. ago. Um, and there was a panel and Quentin Bernson was on it, right? Love her. And afterwards I went up to the stage and I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna say to this girl, but I'm gonna say something to her. And I literally don't even remember what I said, but she looks at me like the whole time and I was like I'm gonna just go I'm gonna head out I'm gonna head out I'm gonna head out and that's why like today I do talk a lot about like intentional networking like sometimes Mm -hmm. we just try to talk to people to talk to people but like Mm -hmm. am I adding value to this person or are they adding value to me and like is there really benefiting me rushing the stage to talk to speakers right no um so yeah, that was a little embarrassing. I was like, damn, she's judging me. But <laughs> it's it's all a lesson though. I mean, we've all it been is. there. Like, oh my God, the amount of networking events I've been to, and it's just like, what was the purpose of this? What was the purpose of me even going up there? But we get better. We get better. Yeah. And I used to honestly, like I was an introvert. Like I did not like talking to people. So I was completely out of my comfort zone already. Um, but yeah, I don't even I can't tell you what I was even talking about, but she let me know that it was a mess whatever it was <laughs> just a facial expression and you know kenta is very expressive exactly i was like i'm a mm, we're just not gonna talk about it no more <laughs> oh, i love that okay so this question comes from and i should have mentioned the first question was um inspired by hi i'm awkward networking is hard to do it was that um that, that panel yeah. yeah so this one is from profiles Profiles to profits, how to utilize your social media to land your next gig. 
brought to you by Insights and Color. So we would like for you to share one tip you think people should know when leveraging social media to land their next gig. Um, be intentional about everything that you post. And it's okay to have a portfolio profile and a personal profile. I feel like sometimes people try to do both. So I have like this beautiful picture of all the artwork you've done. And then I have you throwing bottles up in the club, right? What What are we doing, right? It's not the same mm-hmm. thing. Um, so I think one, be intentional. Um, two, feel free to create a separate account. Um, and then three, share it. Like people have portfolios that they they have it, they put it together and then nobody sees it. Like it doesn't mm. see the light of day or it's like, oh, my employer didn't ask for that. Like I'm not going to send it to them. Or why not add like the ECD at this advertising company, right? Why not add the people that you're looking to work with? So you mm-hmm. use it to actually get your work out there. Too. The key word was intentionality there. Yeah, yep. be intentional. All right. All right, next one. This is from Buzzwords to Action, Making Culture and Allyship a Reality Within the Workspace. Um, The question is, name one company or organization you feel is making culture and allyship a reality in the workplace. Like who's Um, talking the talk and walking the walk? Because there's a lot of performative-ish happening. (laughs) There is, there is. I would say um, we work with Intuit. And they are amazing to be such a big company. Like mm-hmm. oftentimes you hear about big companies, they're like, it's a mess internally. But I feel like they are all on the same page and they are walking, talking to talk and walking the walk. Right. Um, we did a couple of events with them last year about women's equal pay. And they talked to us a lot about like, you know, they share, they share what women are making internally. They nice. have goals, they have bands and things like that. Um, and everyone is kind of like preaching the same. Everybody that I've talked to within Intuit is preaching. They're all on one accord, which I like. Because sometimes mm-hmm. you'll you'll meet a company and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. we don't know. I don't think that's the same thing. Right. right. Um, so I would say that they're definitely like I would aspire to work there if I didn't have my own thing. All right. This next one is from the session certified job lover. What recruiters are looking for. Um, the question is, what is the number one tip you've shared with job seekers when looking for their next role? Um, number one tip. I think don't rely primarily on a job board, right? Don't rely primarily mm-hmm. on submitting your application to hundreds of different um, roles, different openings, right? It's important to get to know the hiring managers and get to know the recruiters. And that's the way that you're actually going to get your foot in the door because they yes. can put a face with a name. And if you're just All like right. blindly applying to things mm-hmm. without intention, once again, intention is, is the word, um, you're just sending your resume to like a dark abyss and nobody's ever going to reach out to you. So build the relationships and be intentional about what you're looking for and intentional on making connections. I love that you said that because literally that is how I got my job at LinkedIn. So there goes that. It is. It works. Um, all right. So the last one is from the session. That's a no for me. How to advocate for yourself at work. And the mm-hmm. question is, share a moment you had to advocate for yourself at work. And what was that feeling like for you? It was scary. It's always scary. It's yeah. always scary to advocate for yourself. I find the biggest thing is when I worked in advertising and I was advocating for um, a promotion. 
um, in a yeah. way, which is always scary. Because you're like, always. What am I going to do if they say no? Like, am I going to just stay here and look crazy? Um, so what I did was kind of like typical, write on all your wins, get some mm-hmm. positive feedback from other people. Um, and then, you know, you have to put on your like Jay-Z, your Beyonce, whatever it is, <laughs> going to pump you up before the conversation. Yeah, you right. you go in there, once again, faking it till you make it, like you have all this confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can breathe once you get out of it. So I would say that's the the biggest time I advocated for myself. And yes, it was scary. Um, but once again, on the other side, I feel like I do it all the time now, especially as the CEO of a company, like I'm always advocating for the company, myself and the people that I work with. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you said that too, because advocacy is huge and people sure. kind of forget, like, I guess the situations that it kind of shows up in. And yep. so it, it will show up <laughs> in lots of different areas of your life, regardless if you're in corporate, mm-hmm. entrepreneur, whatever that looks like. Sometimes you got to advocate for yourself in a relationship. Like exactly. advocacy is huge. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at the that. core is always knowing what your value is, because mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like when you lead with that, it, it makes it a little bit more easier to address like. Mm-hmm. I deserve this because. Mm-hmm. And it's also important, like, with Mem Connect too, I think we also created a community where people were open to talking about stuff like that, right? Yeah. Like, I'm an account executive at this company and I make this amount. Oh, man, I'm an account executive at this company and I make way less, right? right. So let us identify the gaps and understand what we should be asking for um, to really close that gap, right? Mm-hmm. Agreed. I love it. I I like fangirl Mink connect. So, you know, I just love it. Um, well, oh my god, we're done. This is it. This is the end. It feels like it was just a quick conversation, which is nice always. Um, at the beginning of the podcast, Delilah introduced you. And so we'd like you to introduce yourself. How do you want people to know you and where they can find you at? Yeah. Um, once again, I'm Netta Dobbins. Nashville natives, and I love the city. Be sure to visit Nashville. Um, entrepreneur, of course, but also very focused on my own self-care, my own positive mindset, which I think is super important. Um, CEO of Mem Connect, worked with multi-million dollar companies and also startups and nonprofits. So there's scale to what we've been able to do. Um, and we've cultivated a community of about 10,000 professionals nationwide. So all of this takes time. If you're on the beginning of your journey, just understand it takes time. Push through, persevere. You got it. Um, y'all can follow me and find me at Netta Dobbins on all platforms. Super easy to find. And if you're listening, send me a LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter note. Let me know you listen. Yes. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. As always, um, great reminders. And just for the person listening, um, inspiration for them to take steps into their own journeys. So thank you so much for being a guest. We heart you. And until next time, we're out. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Non-Corporate Girls Podcast. We're headed back into our nine to fives, but equally giving time to our five to nine. I'm Delilah and you can follow me at Miss Delilah C on all social media platforms. And I'm Ayana. Follow me at the underscore Aya underscore brand. Don't forget to follow the podcast on all socials at Non-Corporate Girls and tune into the latest episodes on your favorite streaming platform. In the meantime, embrace Non-Corporate. Where the nine to five and five to nine meet.